second viewing. New look, same great taste. I'm Kyle. I'm Dan. Shakabra. Today on the podcast, we got a special treat for y'all. We're doing Drive, the 2011 Nicholas Winding Refn film starring our boy, uh, and I think everyone's boy, really, uh, Ryan Gosling. He, he's he's become a, 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 you know, he's got quite the following. He almost has days. meme status. Do you think he's meme status? Um, like, only if he's shirtless and, and I don't know, there's a reference to his abs or something. So, like, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. so meme-worthy. Yeah, he's pretty much meme-worthy. The guy's a meme god at this point. <laughs> he's pretty, pretty much, much a meme god. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this uh, movie in particular, Drive, uh, I think is a really fun movie to talk about just because it's the kind of flick if you talk to anyone about, they've probably seen or heard about it. And it's kind of interesting because it comes from this art house director and it kind of fits in this limbo between like people who maybe like higher art films, but also people who just like um, maybe blockbusters or a wider audience of it's a, Yeah, it's a really genre. nice sweet spot in between the mainstream and sort of the art uh, house side of things. But yeah. I think it, it kind of appeals to everyone in the way that, yeah, it's visually uh, the story's told fantastically. Um, and when there is dialogue, you're really in tuned because they don't yeah. say a ton in this movie. But so. I think what lends its ability to make that interesting is that the movie just moves so fast. Hmm. It d- nothing ever really feels that, like, it gets dragging on a lot. Yeah, that's it's very true. It's cut very quick, and it's these scenes don't take very long. They're only usually, there's not a lot of, like, maybe with the exception of one or two scenes, there's not a lot of long takes. Hmm. And, um, yeah, it's overall, just, I think it's really accessible. One thing we were just kind of talking about was just just seems like the kind of movie that often gets people into movies. It's a mm-hmm. good entry point kind of film where maybe you only you only really watch superhero films or you only watch like Hollywood blockbusters. But if you watch Drive, you might be more inclined to check out some more avant-garde or art house films just because it, it's a good entry point. I think it can lead you towards a direction of just expanding your interest in film. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think the soundtrack is also a part that really gets me heavily. Oh, dude. Like, this fucking soundtrack, soundtrack is, is killer. Oh. Uh, we both have it on our phones. We listen to it in our cars true. while we're driving. And uh, it's a pretty good time. <laughs> but actually, we might bring that up a little bit later. Uh, but um, Yeah, definitely. It's worth expanding on should more. Should we get started, though? Do you want to give us a synopsis here? Yeah, let's, let's jump in. Um, so Ryan Gosling plays a nameless uh, but skilled Hollywood stuntman and getaway driver for Thieves in this 2011 crime drama. Um, everything changes when he gets involved with one of uh, his neighbor's families and, his, and the father's uh, crime history. Right, right. Um, yeah, so there is this... It, it's a crime drama for sure. And people would definitely maybe call it like a neo-noir like crime drama because it kind of looks at this like... Uh, you know, 60s style of filmmaking. Ita- like, like uh, Italian cinema did a lot of, like, you know, noir. You know, the classic black and white, like, top hat, lights a smoke and drops into the back alley. Yeah. And he's talking like, yeah, you talking to me, boy. That kind of, like, look. But it's instead bringing that it, sort of... like, updating that for a, a newer audience. But it, well, it just also... shines a light on the darker side of, uh, you know, the Hollywood uh, side of things because yeah, totally. I mean he's a he's a stunt driver and he's involved with that kind of crowd but on the darker side of things on the more yeah. unlucky side of it, things it is interesting to think that you know he does kind of have this maybe not average job but like a regular job I guess just I mean maybe mm-hmm. it seems un- unusual to us because we don't live in Hollywood but I assume if you live in Hollywood if you work in film it's not as crazy anyways um, but you're right he does he does choose kind of the darker path in a way, like, that's something that he is comfortable with, and it's just kind of how he chooses to make yeah. a living. D- uh, during the night, you know, he's picking up jobs, um, basically being the getaway driver. 
Yeah, but it's always interesting to me how he doesn't really associate himself at all with the organizations that are behind these. Issues. Oh, he has got a, a firm yeah. set of rules. He doesn't yeah. want anything to do with it. He just he just drives. Exactly. That's, that's, just, that's just what he does, and it is interesting because we we end up seeing kind of like a I guess a mafia like uh, plot develop in which he's reluctant to become a part of, but due to other circumstances, he feels the need to put his foot in there and you know do what he sees fit, but. I think that's actually a pretty good part to get started here. We got a couple of main topics we wanted to reach. And the first one is just kind of um, what we label as uh, the driver's interaction with those around him. So those relationships that he he builds upon. And I think the biggest one that is probably within the film but also just starts the rest of the plot, really, just kind of kickstarts it, is uh, his relationship with his neighbor Irene. Mm-hmm. Played by Carrie Mulligan, quite wonderfully. He used to date the beef, Shia LaBeouf. He used to date the beef, beef. dude. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. No longer does. I think she might be married to the dude from Mumford & Sons. I don't really know. I don't care to fact check that right now. But, right. Um, Fair. <clears throat> um, and her son, right? In and her the son, movie Benicio. Yeah. Benicio, yeah. yeah. So um, you get the impression that they, at this point when you meet her that the father has recently left. You later find out that uh, he was he's in prison and he's coming back. Right. Um, but you can see that there's some sort of, like, they've got a spark. Uh, the yeah. driver, the main character, yeah. Ryan Gosling, he actually doesn't have a name in this movie, so I guess we'll refer to him as Driver yeah. or Ryan. On IMB, IMBD, they call him Driver, so yeah. we'll go by that for now. Uh, but, yeah, and they they just kind of call him, like, kid or boy or yeah throughout the film. They don't really give him a, an actual name. And it's one of those things we don't really think about it. The second time around, on our second viewing here, it definitely was, like, a little bit... Yeah, I was noticed, paying attention yeah. to to find out what his name was, but yeah, you never come across you it. Nor do you really it. need yeah, it. Yeah, it's not it's not important. Which I think usually um, in film when there's like an unnamed character, it's just supposed to kind of be that like vacant idea where like the viewer can maybe try to relate with that guy. Right. Which is interesting. You know, that I, that being said, like you ever you know when someone tells you the name of a restaurant and you almost judge it in your mind exactly. before you go to the restaurant Judging so a book by its cover exactly sort of. so you know you could go to a five star restaurant but it's called uh, Mel's Fun Time Diner and yeah. you're like uh, you're going to think it's the shittiest place on earth until you go there five stars out of 10 or yeah. what's that about no like five out of five like i'm just you know theoretically I know what you're but saying, yeah. um so i think it's kind of cool that he doesn't have a name so you don't prejudge him you you're Based on his interactions and what he does, right, is is how you define him. So he doesn't need a name. No, all you like, all you need to know is that he drives. He just drives. Um, and I think having this kind of like maybe like vacant or open space of a personality is interesting because he has kind of two personalities throughout this whole film, as far as I'm concerned, and that there's two sides to him. You know, mm-hmm. he always kind of wants to do the right thing, but it's hard to say when or when is he doing the right thing and when is he not doing the right thing? See, I think he knows the difference, but I think he just loves to drive. I think he uses um, that those those you know those late night getaway drives that he does for thieves. I think he uses that as a chance to hone his skills and an excuse to hone his skills. Right. He doesn't want anything to do with the industry. Yeah. And um, by the end of the movie, we end up finding out that he doesn't care about money. Like that's, no, that's not, not what he's concern. in it for at all. So yeah, he does have this love for like cars, not I guess driving too, because we find out that his employer, played by Brian Cranston, um, his name's Shannon. Uh, just kind of says, oh, this guy just showed up one day, needed a job. I said, sure, show me what you can do. And he, he's a born natural, and I pay him way less than I should kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
he just generally just wants to be there and wants to be around cars and be well, to I himself think, and work. I kind of think that the reason why he he would be looking for a job at a shop is that it's easy access for him to fix up his car and he's out driving. You know, right. he can't be on a getaway drive and have his car breakdown, right? Yeah, and also him and Shannon kind of have this sort of uh, business relationship where he gets in what is the Chevy Impala so he can yeah. do his getaway trips because that's it's, right. most, that's it's the most cool common car. That's to talk about. Yeah. yeah, so they're walking through the shop and they're passing some really nice vehicles like, I don't know, old Mustangs. Seems like slightly vintage cars in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're passing these cars as they walk through and the camera's following them maybe on a dolly and then eventually... Um, as they arrive at the Chevy Impala, Shannon's bringing up it's the most, you know, he's talking about the engine first, then he's yeah. talking about, I don't know, the suspension or the turning, and then he brings up the Chevy Impala, the most common vehicle in L.A. No one's going to notice you. Yeah. yeah. And then throws them the keys and off they go. So you get the impression that they've done this before, they're right. going to do it again, and... Uh, like, you know, it's definitely not their first run of the mill here. Well, yeah, and he, he even stumbles upon a man in a diner a little bit later in the film where he's like, oh, last year you helped, you drove my uh, me and my brother home from Palm Springs, man. Ah, yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. So that is a cool scene because it yeah. establishes the fact that Ryan or the driver wants nothing to do with the other side of the business, like the actual thieving. Exactly. He doesn't want to get involved with these scuzzy guys robbing whatever, pawn shops or whatever they were robbing. He doesn't want to get involved with that shit. So when the guy comes over and says, yeah, my brother got himself killed. Remember you drove us last year? Huh, thanks for that, by the way, or whatever. He's like, talk again and I'll break your fucking teeth yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. He doesn't really... Um, <clears throat> I do find it a little bit interesting, though, because, yeah, we it drives home the point that we kind of... No pun intended. Yeah, actually, that was intended, but whatever. <laughs> that he... Uh, that, yeah, he doesn't want anything to do with, like, the actual businesses that he's driving for or whatever kind of gang-related activities going on. But at the same time, we don't necessarily see a lot of, like, why he likes driving. He just does. It's right. a little, like, I mean, obviously, I don't know if we need more of that, but it's, there's a, in the back of my head, I'm always wondering, it's like, well, why does he care so much about the car? Like, why is driving his thing? Mm-hmm. There's, I, part of me want, is trying to find that, but I guess at the same time, Maybe that's the point. We don't, we don't, we're not supposed to know. We're just supposed right. to know this guy is a driver, and that's it. That's what he is. He's simply you know, a driver. That being said, I think if you looked hard enough at the film, or if like you're really analytically forcing a, a reason, you could come up with some, you know, loose symbolism behind. You know, he doesn't have a lot of relationship. He, he's, he, but he loves his car. Maybe it's because he can escape. You know, social. You know what I mean? You but, could but make it's, a but it's loose not even that connection. He has one particular car. He just likes to drive anything. It's. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I, I see what you're saying. I think you're right. We probably could find some if we really dug for but it. I don't but there's think nothing, there's nothing yeah. right on the surface about it, which and is I interesting. I think, you know, the movie as a whole doesn't, you don't necessarily need that. I mean, all you need to know is that he likes drive. He meets this neighbor, gets involved with the family, and then eventually, uh, you know, sees something through, sees right, a problem yeah. through to help them. So he goes. He's trying to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And how do you do that? You got to drive. Oh, my God. That's horrible. So um, he's he's got this thing. He's got this spiel he says whenever he meets a new thug that he's about to drive for. And it's like, oh, once we get there, you've got five minutes. Right. You've got me for that five minutes. Anything goes down in that five minutes, I'm yours. I got you. Yeah. But anything before or after that five, you're on your own. Like, I don't fuck around. Like, sorry, you're done. So, and I think he sort of applies that same mentality. Just to, like, his, like, 
interactions in general with people? Yeah, well, I think he applies that same mentality to, yeah, most of his interactions, Okay. right? And the thing that really breaks that is that family next door, you know? the f- he's You know, the time he's with them, he's really with them. Like, he's in the, for the end, you know? Yeah, it, yeah. It's not on either side of that five <clears throat> minutes. It's now become, you know, all 24 hours of the day he, he yeah, he's he, in it. He definitely wants some sort of like stability I think obviously or something but something about having a family makes him feel comfortable mm-hmm. or even just bringing joy to the, the the son and being around Irene I think he you get the sense that like he has this job that you know he's passionate about it's what he cares about but then it's also easy to translate that like he cares just just as much about this family yeah and he's he happens to mix the two things he cares about which Kind of leads him into shit. It it does lead him into a bit of a kerfuffle, but a good a good kerfuff. A good kerfuff. But I don't. Yeah, it's cool to see him. I mean, we don't know why he loves driving so much, but we can see why he loves this family exactly, so much. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, the girl's timid but intelligent, and you can tell she's maybe been through some rough times. They're still in the middle of it. Um, you know, when they first meet. Of the first time they ever speak was her car was broken down and Ryan Gosling didn't even really introduce himself when he walked over. He just walked over to the car and instantly started helping. And it was just kind of like next thing you know, he's involved with like he's part well, of the he's family. He's unpacking groceries. He's bringing upstairs for them. Yeah. I guess they are neighbors, so it's not necessarily like out of, out of place. But you're right. There's a spark that happens and he really grows a liking towards them. Like he's definitely kind, he's connects kind with and he's the warm. Family. He watches TV with the kid. Which is actually a pretty important scene. They're watching TV, I think a cartoon or something maybe. Mm-hmm. And he asks the kid, he's like, oh, uh, who's the bad guy? And he's like, oh, that one over there. And he's like, how do you know he's the bad guy? Because he's doing bad stuff. Yeah. And it's just it's this kind of moment where you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, so this is where the movie is establishing what's bad and what's not bad. Right. But, like, at the same time, like who Ryan. defines what's bad stuff and not bad stuff? I guess you could argue that it's it's Ryan. It's the, yeah. it's the driver. By yeah. the end of the movie, it's the it's Ryan Gosling that's just deciding that. And we're, basically. we'll talk a little bit more of that a little bit later because there's some really cool symbolism uh, and some uh, character traits in this flick. But um, I think talking about the family and um, how it, the plot progresses through that, yeah. through uh, Irene's, uh, I guess, baby daddy. Uh, well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about Irene and, yeah. uh, and uh, what we know about her. And we've, we find out a bunch of different things about her. But what we can tell right off the bat is that she's almost kind of shy, timid, though independent and very intelligent. Yeah, she. I think she's just really... She's the kind of person that was fine on her own, but just brings she really brings uh, Ryan Gosling's character in with open arms and kind of like a, maybe wasn't looking for someone to share her time right. with, but he just seems like the right guy that she wants to spend, spend right. Time like with. Ryan is not dragging her down. If anything, not they're just bit. on equal grounds. No, they're they're not cool. intrusive really in in each other's lives at all. In fact, the only time you could say she's intrusive is when her and her son show up to the shop, but they had no idea he. He was going to be working that day or whatever. Like, they get mm-hmm. there to get their car fixed. He happens to work at an automobile shop, you know. Yeah. She wasn't even trying to get a ride home from him. It was a bit of a coincidence, sure. But at the same time, there was no, you know, no one was, like, chasing one another or anything like that. 
Right. It was in. Well, hold on. I think I remember there's a scene where um, she they're talking about what he does for a living. He says he's a Hollywood stuntman and he works at. Yeah, she, she he tells him the location of the automobile automobile shop. And then but the, she's still not really trying to like. Right. She, like like I said, she doesn't know he's working there that day. And like, yeah, exactly. I think she might even mention, oh, that's really close to here, isn't it? She probably just was like, I mean, naturally, if you found out your neighbor worked at an auto, automotive shop. Exactly. The next time your car broke down, you'd yep, probably go to that one because your neighbor that. works there. Right? Completely. But so, in terms of their any romantic relationship or even just them caring for one another, nothing feels forced. Yeah. Nothing feels forced on that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess you could say that you know his um, the driver's um, love or even care for them is quite exponential. Mm-hmm. Like he really cares for them and, and quite fast. Yeah. He, um, well, I for me when I could tell that, that he really cared about them was when he drove them home after their auto. Like the, at after the he fixed their, their car, tr- after yeah. he fixed the car, or the car was getting worked on because it needed to stay there for a couple of days, yeah. and because they were neighbors, he would give her a ride home. But then he said, "Do you want to see something?" And they go for some drive by some river, and they hang out for a while, yeah, and they, they come like home this, late like, into the night. Under and... some underpass, they're like driving around this like yeah, it's actually kind of like a famous like L.A. like uh, scene you see in a lot of movies. The yeah, same it's true. Tray. I feel like yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a water runoff. It might even be a reference to some, like, spy or, like, uh, crime movies that have used that same... Potentially. Because there's a lot of... This movie is kind of, like, a... It, it makes you feel like it's a little bit of, like, a movie that was made in the 80s. Yeah. It has that feel, especially with the music and the way it looks. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that was a somewhat intentional choice. And the, cho- the choice of outfits, like, you know... Yeah, nothing really... Yeah, like... And the I, bowling shirts and the, like, um, the elastic tight jackets yeah. around the waist and, and, and arms, but they're, like, puffy almost. You know what I mean? But it still feels so modern at the same time. It feels so, like, sleek and, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, a, it has it's a really five years cool old now, but look to it, yeah. which we're definitely going to jump into a little bit more. But we're talking about um, 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 this girl, Irene. Irene yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think we, f- we find out that she had... Um, the, uh, her son when she was 17 or 18. She was knocked up when she was 17 yeah. um, and had the son when, when she was 18. Year later, yeah. So she's pretty young. She met this guy at a party. They got into it. They got married right away. Mind you, he was into some bad stuff and he ended up in prison. Yeah. So you find out that, you know, she was pretty young when he was born and he's pretty young now. So meaning she's, you know what, I'm guessing maybe 25, 26 would Something be my like that. guess. That sounds, that sounds about right, yeah. And uh, I guess Ryan Gosling would probably be in the same. Um, yeah, they seem about the same age. Yeah, 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 potentially. So that's kind of an interesting thing, uh, especially that she had the kids so young. Yeah, I, th- I mean, not even that, but her, you know, her husband or the child's father was vacant for so long of mm-hmm. you know his life and her uh, taking care of him alone. Not easy, obviously. So I think it's a. It may. It does definitely add to you know. The idea of the viewers viewing these two people together and this Ryan Gosling's characters comes in to help the family, but indirectly. And you mm-hmm. kind of see their, you know, friendship and relationship blossom. And uh, you definitely get a warm sense of, like, you want them to end up together. You want the, They seem right for each other. Mm-hmm. They, they just do. And not that um, her husband, uh, his name's like, I can't remember his name, Standard. That's what Yeah, I, his name is Standard, it's yeah. It's a strange name. It is But that also is that another car reference. That's all I'm thinking. Like, you're in Standard. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. But um, I think uh, I think it's interesting because he doesn't he doesn't come off as a bad guy. 
he just kind of, uh, you know, he gets in some bad things, but they still welcome him with open arms, and, uh, you know, the rest of the family is happy to see him there nonetheless. He wants to change his act. He wants to clean yeah, himself up. It seems like he's, yeah, he's really trying to turn stuff yeah. around. At that party, uh, like his welcome home party, there's a scene where he said, yeah, we're all here celebrating, and that's great, and I appreciate everyone here, um, but... You know, I did a bad thing and I have a lot of fixing to do or something like that. So, right. yeah, you get the impression, you know, maybe he did some bad stuff. He fucked up, but he's not a bad guy. No. He's working towards it. Um, you know, he's very, very loving towards his son, bringing him out to take the trash yeah, out, definitely. like trying to teach him things. He wants to be involved and he, yeah, he, he has loves no his problem. family. He has no problem with that. He knows he, he's done wrong. He wants to do better. But with his introduction to the film, the plot progresses, and I think we're going to take a break now and get into that right after the break right here, so we'll catch you guys later. And we're back. All right, guys, so before we took a break there, we were just talking about uh, some of the relationships within the movie Drive and some characters that kind of progressed the plot. One of the big characters uh, being Oscar Isaac's character, Standard, who kind of introduces... I guess Ryan Gosling's character to, you know, the darker side of the world he's kind of dabbled in, but this is only a kind of a dabble that, you know, re- respects just to his job, but now he kind of finds himself in between this, you know, this world because he's trying to help the family he cares about. Right. But also he, it's interesting because he really does kind of seem to care about Oscar, but, or sorry, I want to say Oscar Isaac, but standard, but do you think yeah. that's just because of Irene? Probably. Hey. I think, uh, yeah, I think, he began to develop a relationship with him because of Irene. Now, right. I think maybe he started to care for the guy or see the best in the guy, yeah. too. Yeah. Because he seems upset. He's, you know, he says, you know, to to one of the people that was involved with killing him eventually, he says, um, you've killed the boy's father today kind of thing. Right. So you can tell he cares about him to an extent. That being said, the only reason I think he's there is, like, because uh, the people that have threatened Standard have now threatened his family. Yeah, and he... Irene he and needs to, He wants to stand up for them, and I think he needs to. Like, he has this, like, uh, this nature in him that just... He has to help them. Yeah, he's so he's, he's this good-natured individual that, uh, you know, he wants to help people. I don't, he, know, I don't know if he's good altogether, though. I'll be honest with you. Well, I don't... I Yeah, I think there's flaws in his morals I a think, little bit, but yeah. I think generally, like, you know, he does what he does because he thinks it's the right way or he's doing the right thing. I think a lot of the times he's actually, like, kind of fighting the bad in him. I think he's, like, right. trying to, like, focus on the good, but, like, he has this, like, he has this rage and he has this power, kind of, like, overpowering instinct that kind of com- comes over him sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but... uh just kind of talking about where this film leads on, we kind of see, uh, you know, the characters he meets earlier in the film, like uh, Brian Cranston's character Shannon, and also the people that he kind of aligns himself with, just like for his day to day job, end up becoming the people he fights against because they're part of the people who end up setting up uh, Standard when he gets shot and killed, essentially. Yeah. While, of course, Ryan Gosling's character is trying to help him out, so he kind of gets stuck between this triangle of, you know. Just trying to work for his boss, trying to help a girl out, 
and also trying to do the right thing. And right. I don't know. He, he's just the kind of guy that ends up getting himself stuck in a bunch of positions it's that right. all are yeah. intertwined together. I think, yeah, maybe a good analogy is he's been fighting, you know, a small darkness in his heart for since the beginning of the movie, but it's only the size of a thumbnail. But by the time he gets introduced to this underground ring, you know, he's fighting the darkness in his life becomes the size of a fist. Like, it's so much bigger now, and now he's fighting this big And battle. does he throw some punches? This oh, he throws, throws some, some punches. punches. This guy knows how to punch. Dude. It's it's a it's it's really a cool, sweet actiony movie. Yeah, um, like some of the, some of these fight scenes are really well choreographed. No, no shaky cam, none of that BS. Yeah, and it's not like a movie you got to be into cars to watch. I not mean, at all. The more we talk about the movie, the more I realize it's about cars. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Like <laughs> I can barely notice the car, but the more you actually break down the movie, there's a lot of. Now, car references and his life kind of revolves around cars, I guess. But mm-hmm. no, like you said, you don't need to care about cars to get appreciate movie. the movie. Yeah. Um, but I think that's maybe kind of where we'll we'll leave it with some of the relationships. We don't want to give the entire story away. There's a, we obviously spoiled everything as far as yeah. we're concerned. But <laughs> yeah. there's more to there's more to enjoy for yourself. So I think we've covered yeah. the main points of uh, every character. So it's but uh, but looking more at the main character, I think is what's important, and that's uh, his jacket, and you know the idea of. Him being this hero and him also being this anti-hero in the way that he's this bad guy doing good things. Right. So more about the jacket is he's got this silver, I think I was talking about it before, it's got an elastic band around sort of the waist and the arms, but it's a little bit puffy. It's sort of got like almost like a weird 80s look to it. It's almost like a... I don't it's even know. Like it's a, hard to describe. It's kind of cool. It looks almost vest-like. It reminds me a bit of maybe like a race car driver would wear it. Yeah. Not, yeah. not while working, but like as fashion, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I get that impression too. But uh, anyways, on the back, it's a sort of a silver and gold jacket, and on the back is a, a scorpion. Gold scorpion. And, and the scorpion has a lot of symbolism because um, he brings up a fable of a scorpion and the frog. Mm-hmm. And the scorpion and the frog is this fable in which um, a scorpion asks a frog if he'll carry him across the river. And the frog says, like, no, you're just going to sting me. Like, I'm scared to sting you. And the scorpion says, well, if I sting you, you're going to drown and therefore so will I. Why would I sting you? It doesn't make any sense. So the frog agrees to bring him across the river. And when they go across the river, the scorpion stings him anyway and they both die. And the reason because that is because no matter what the scorpion wants to do, it's in his nature to act a certain way, mm-hmm. which is exactly what this character does. He wants to do the right thing, or he wants to at least show that he can do the right thing, but at the end of the day, who his he is is who he the is. Best of him, yeah. Exactly. Definitely. And that's exactly what happens in this movie. And it's such a cool analogy. Um, it's I had to look up the story. After, I, had to, I had to look up the fable. After we watched the film yesterday, I was like, I want to look that up. And it makes complete sense. I mean, it's one of those things that might go over your head if you don't know the fable, maybe you do. I'm not too sure where that's originated from or mm-hmm. where else you would hear it from, but not, nevertheless, it's kind of what the whole movie's about in a sense because you get this man who, you know, he meets his family and he wants to help them out or he wants to, you know, be a part of their lives in a positive sense, but at night, you know, he's kicking the shit out of people. He's, you know, busting skulls. <laughs> like, whenever yeah. he puts this jacket on, he kind of becomes a different person. Right. Not in every scene. We we kind of went into this movie thinking that oh, jacket's on. He's a bat. He's he's a piece of shit now. But so there, I think but there the, are some times where he puts the jackets on and he's doing the good thing, or he puts the jacket on the kid. And we made the joke that there'll be drive two where the kid will come back yeah. and wear the jacket <laughs> and start kicking some ass. Benicio's revenge. But no, I think I think especially in the beginning, it's really popular. Uh, or sorry, it's it's um, like prevalent within like. 
Yeah, the, the I think the jacket distinguishes the two points of his character, but I think those two points just eventually mesh into one nature. That's him, you know. Yeah. Instead of fighting the uh, who he is at night versus who he is with on the, during the day, or when he has the jacket on, or when he doesn't, uh, it's sort of just brought together towards the middle of the film. It's like you just realize that like he's not one or the other; he's both. Yeah. And so yeah. it does at that point. It almost yeah. doesn't matter if he has the jacket on or not, because like that, the nature of him being different. In, depending on the outfit, just becomes the nature of him, it's and then true. that's it. I, th- I think that's true. I think they try to maybe, or like, uh, reference probably trying to like make that symbolism from the beginning. Like, oh, this is what the jacket's supposed to represent. Or whether you know what it's supposed to represent directly, it's like, oh, well, he's doing bad things now because he's, you know, he's working at night kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I do think he still is that scorpion because he, he might be wanting to do the right thing, but he goes around it and a pretty violent and negative way, you know? Yeah. And um, another contrast, though, to him wearing this jacket is I noticed every time he's doing maybe the right thing or he's with the family or everything's kind of happy, they're all, everyone in that scene is always wearing the color blue. Most mm-hmm. notably at any of the dinner scenes. They're all, everyone in the family is wearing blue. And blue is often a color of, like, comfort or stability Calm. or, or yeah. calming. And those scenes feel that way. They generally do. And maybe if they're talking about it, some serious subjects, you still feel safe. This, the film doesn't, you don't necessarily feel like anything bad's going to happen to you. In fact, you feel like, oh, things might work out because, mm-hmm. you know, this seems pretty, this plan sounds sound. Like, you know, it's going to it's gonna work out in their favor. But then, you know, even like the nighttime will roll around and the idea of what might have seemed right at one point is kind of flipped on its head. And it's like these characters we kind of learned about earlier start being a lot more violent and a lot more evil yeah. as the sh- as the film progresses. Um, we we, yeah. we end up finding out what uh, driver Ryan Gosling is capable of. Oh, totally! Right? Like he gets involved with uh, a standard that's the father of Benicio and wife of Irene, yeah. um, and standard. Reveals to driver reveals to Ryan Gosling that his family's been threatened and he has to do this one job and then he'll finally be out of it for good to repay a debt that he had owed in prison or something like that, and so Ryan Gosling um, helps like he says okay well I'll help you kind of thing, and uh, what actually what ends up unfolding is they have to go rob a pawn shop. Um, and there's three people involved. So there's Standard, there's Ryan Gosling, and then there's a girl. There's a third party. It's played by uh, Christina Hendricks. I'm by Christina sure. Hendricks. Yeah. Um, and they all, or Ryan Gosling, he drives. So he's sitting in the car waiting. He starts that clock. You've got five minutes. I mean, who else is going to drive, right? Yeah, who the else guy is drives. Dri- the guy drives. <laughs> so um, the other two go into the pawn shop. The girl leaves first with a big bag of seemingly cash at first. She hops in the back and they're patiently waiting for uh, Standard to come out. But in the meantime, there's another vehicle that pulls up alongside with tinted windows looking somewhat suspicious. And yeah. as standard, standard I is... I was scared. I was like, some shit's going down. Yeah. This is not ending well. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way. And then as standard's walking out, everything seems to be okay. He puts the gun back, you know, uh, under his belt or whatever, behind his shirt. And uh, he gets shot in the back three times. It's a done deal. Boom. It's gone. And uh, I don't know, you get this, you get this, that's kind of, you get this point where you get the feeling that, 
what Ryan's really capable of or what driver's really capable of because he flees a scene. There's a huge chase scene. He takes this chick to a hotel room. He's now weighing all his options. Who did this to us? Right, if there's yeah. anyone that knows anything, it's this girl. Um, and then he gets ambushed and he takes out two guys, right? Like there's two guys that try to it's come like a in. shotgun. Yeah, someone and a with a sh- Some clever use of the mattress. Some clever use of the mattress. <laughs> so you find out what this guy's capable of. Yeah, you know? definitely. He, he basically takes out two guys with guns that are trying to kill him and then he's it's like war it's like on onwards from there now he's in it right now he's in there to protect irene he doesn't want the money he wants to rid himself of this issue he's not like fleeing and going to mexico or whatever no 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 no. he's he just knows where he needs to fix this yeah he knows that he has the ability to kind of make the best of the situation and he has this skill set of driving amazingly and also being in a Really good fighter, apparently, also. Yeah. And he used that to the best of his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, like, that's that's when shit kind of gets messed up for the for this character. You know, he has all this money. He just saw two people die. He's kind of like, he just killed two men. Yeah. Th- things are really uh, boiling up for him. Things are heavy. Yeah. Um, and one scene that definitely kind of, for me, still solidifies, like, him being the scorpion or him, like, having this kind of, like, nature that he needs to act on. It's probably the best scene in the movie, in my opinion, is, like, the elevator scene. Yeah. In which uh, he goes back to essentially tell uh, Irene, Irene that, going on. you know, so-and-so has happened. I have this money. I can give it. I'm going to give it back. But also I can maybe use it, and you and Benicio can have this money if you guys need it kind of thing. And she mm-hmm. slaps him. Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? Why are you getting, like, it's as if, it's as if, like, she's thinking to herself, why are you getting wound up in this? You know, probably seeing some some symbols of her ex-husband and him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's upset. And then she's like, let's just go walk. So they walk, and they go into this elevator in which he comes across essentially a man who's looking for him. You know, mm-hmm. he's the bad guy. The guy's looking suspicious. He's got yeah. a gun under his suit, you can tell. Yeah. He's sort of got these wandering eyes looking at Ryan. Like, he's about to... He's like, he's a hitman, essentially. And, uh... Meanwhile, though, uh, the driver is just trying to kind of have this moment with Irene and kind of, you know, clarify the situation. Just, again, like we were talking about, make the best of the situation. Try to do what he can to, you know, make things right. But as soon as he realizes that shit's going to go down, he the, th- the whole f- shot slows down. It's this really, like, smooth moving scene. And he, uh, he turns over to Irene and they just start kissing in the elevator, which I think is the first time they have any physical contact Yeah, in the movie. it's the first time they have an intimate interaction, but and it's, it's, it's kind of really cool implied. because he just, like, he looks at her in such a stressful situation, yeah. and, you know, it's like he finally has some form of clarity, like he knows what he wants, he knows what he has to do, he knows what he's doing, kind of. Yeah, it's this and, really beautiful moment that they yeah. share, and, like, the whole movie kind of almost works up to that point, because, you know, like you we were saying, they have this spark, and, like, they're obviously into each other to a degree, or care about each other, and... Yeah, there's this relationship being built there, but yeah, once they share that moment, it's really sweet and quite tender. But then, literally two seconds later, this guy comes after Ryan and he kind of like throws her out of the throws her out of the elevator essentially. Pushes yeah, her out he pushes her back, right? So that she's a, she's not being you know, harmed. Mm-hmm. And then when he just essentially beats the shit out of this guy and like pummels him to the ground and kills him with his fist right in front of her and as she watches him kill this man in terror. Yeah. And there's like a, there's a quick like shot and you see Ryan Gosling's like foot inside this dude's skull like he's yeah. been stomped to bits. Yeah, they're pretty gra- like some of the, some of the some of the actual uh, like uh, 
I guess deaths are quite graphic in this yeah. movie. Like heads just getting like entire skulls getting like ripped off and like yeah. it's pretty grotesque in some ways and it's a little bit jarring because the rest of the movie doesn't really have a I mean there's violence but it doesn't feel violent. It's yeah, kind of this I think they're like, they're trying to like play up that 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 realness of like, right, like the crime like, world that they're okay, in. Okay, like there's a bit of reality yeah. kind of like putting into Yeah, the, like yeah. they they want to show off how gruesome these situations can be. It is shocking. It be. definitely is shocking. Yeah, like yeah. they you know they don't want to make it fake and have blood spraying everywhere. Ah, no, out of their arms no. or anything like that. There is like a level that, of realism. It's yeah, it's it's kind of cool cuz it feels so – it's so, like, shocking that it almost doesn't feel real. It's, like, out of place. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you're right. Like, what's the alternative? A bunch of, like, like kind of obviously fake scenes? No. Like, yeah. I mean, they took a right choice. They don't over, yeah, I don't think they overdo it no. with the violence, but I think they show enough to say, like, this is real. This is a real situation. This is how close to a dangerous situation Ryan is, right? Yeah, and, no, and they contrast it to his life too, right? So go, you see this gruesome, these gruesome scenes and violence in comparison to what what the the rest we've seen in his life, which is driving and this one girl. Yeah, um, right. And he, even though he's doing all these awful things, I guess, or yeah, he's he's this violent man. He still has this like instinct where he needs to help this lady, and that's the last scene we actually see Irene in. But after that. Every other scene he's involved with is him still trying to at least guarantee them safety, right? Mm-hmm. So he's making deals with mafia leaders who he knows through his old employer and this and that. But at the end of the day, he still just wants to try to do something meaningful, I think, to himself. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, the idea that he just can't change himself, even if he wants to, is really kind of prevalent. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, he doesn't... But he's, we don't really know exactly to what degree he succeeds at because, I mean, the man who promises Irene and Benicio uh, safety is killed. So it's kind of hard to say where that ends up for them, and eventually so is the driver. But one cool part about that last uh, kind of interaction he has where he's going and making this negotiation with uh, 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 Albert Brooks's character – Bernie, who I'm pretty sure is in the movie Knocked Up. We were trying to figure this out last night, but we're pretty sure he's in there. Maybe he's in Knocked Up, but he's for sure in This Is 40. He's in This Is 40 for sure? Yeah. Maybe he's not in Knocked Anyways, he's in a Judd Apatow movie. Yeah. Don't worry about it, guys. We will, but you don't have to. <laughs> Anyways, um, they have this altercation, but one cool um, one cool part I think I, I kind of latched onto was there's this last scene we pretty much see him in is him pummeling him to the ground and killing him. But all that's left is uh, a sh- his shadow of himself. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wrote down, I wrote down this point that it ends with a shadow of his, his former self, who he was trying to get away from. But, okay, but no, isn't the last scene in the movie, like, him almost asleep in the car, like, head leaned back? Like, you can't tell if he's alive or dead still, because he's been stabbed at that yeah, point. Yeah, he drives once. away, but I think I think the and shadow is supposed to symbolize the good he's trying to do. Right. And how that's not exactly him, but it's a shadow of himself. Right. At the end of the day, it's not totally who he is, because he has, can't get away from that, but it's a part of him that's always going to be there. And he's trying, he's trying to latch on to it. But at the end of the day, he drives, and that's like I said. That's how, that's how we see. That's it. how the final scene ends, and it's I, it's so awesome. I mean, he's basically it looks like he's asleep or dead, or you can't really tell, and then he just sort of like wakes up briefly, and you hear the ignition start, yeah. and he drives away. And it's every it's kind of like this movie's kind of like an action movie, like equivalent of like a punchline. It's like every scene has this like kick ass scene. Where it's like yeah. punchline, 
punchline. Yeah. Like and like, like you're saying, it. it's like like you're saying you have the car and the engine. You hear the engine roll and you drives off and you're just kind of like, what a fucking badass. Like yeah. it's like he's on, he's kind of S- super cool. Would you say that he's the dramatic version of Marty McFly? Say that again. What? Would you say he's the dramatic version of Marty McFly? The dramatic Mar- version of Marty, Marty McFly, McFly is comedic, but always a badass. Do you think he's dramatic, but always a badass? Mm. I'm starting to think to so, dude. To some degree, I guess you could so. say, yeah. Because Marty McFly is maybe the coolest guy on earth. Um, and I would say the driver is a close second. He's pretty damn cool. Oh, dude. Ryan Gosling plays the most badass character. And he's always got a toothpick in his mouth, oh, you know? God. And he brings it up, he's too. Like, he's like, hey, kid, you want a toothpick? Hey, As if that's, like, what cool yeah. guys do. They have toothpicks all the time. I love it's it. It's fucking sweet. It's like, you know, typically in this day and age, you don't get that whole toothpick in the corner of your mouth happening in movies anymore, no. like Grease style. Right. You know what I mean? You don't get that much anymore. But that is an ode to uh, noir cinema. That is, like, a trope of that. Having so, the toothpick? Yeah, is yeah. Really? So they're trying to, you know... I, Bring that to the forefront, I guess, or do something new yeah. with it, which is cool. Kid, you want it too. And the last thing we're going to talk about is just the visuals. Uh, we've yeah. kind of graced this a little bit already, but this the, is just a movie that has that solid vaporwave aesthetic on point. You got that yeah. neon look. Uh, you got that product placement. I'm just kidding. So I have really to true. ask, because you, you would know this better than me, Kyle, is the, the director of this movie is the same director of Only God Forgives, too? Yeah, yeah. He did Ryan direct Gosling. Only God Forgives uh, about a year afterwards and released in 2013. And you can see some similar some, some similarities the maybe. blues and red. Yeah, like I think a lot generally of, like, with these this guy's films they seem to be super colorful. Like there's a, there's a specific yeah. palette of colors that he uses to like aid the visuals. Like in this one I noticed a lot of blues yep. and a lot of like gold yeah, or blue, kind of like blue, gold and red were the three that really stuck out to me. That yeah. being said though, I think a lot of the red and, like, maybe even the greens just kind of came from uh, the streetlights, the more right. I realized. Because he's always driving. He's driving the city. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get this reflection of the street lamps on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few scenes where, like, he's definitely, like, angry. And there's, like, the red street lamp brightly on his face as he stopped at a stoplight. Right. Which is kind of cool. Because it, it, not only is it using, like, a, a set design, but it's also telling character development, which yeah. is really cool. Um, before this, uh, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn didn't really have a lot of, like, noticeably color films. This film before this is Bronson, which is with Tom Hardy, who is Tom Hardy, who is Tom Hardy. Or Tom Hardy's <laughs> Hunter is Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, his film after this was uh, Only God Forgives. And a lot of people sometimes tend to compare them just because they have a bit of a similar look, and they also both star Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. So yeah, they're guess... kind of, they kind of get looped together, but... I mean, to anyone listening, they're, I would try to separate them as much as you can because they're very different films. They're totally different films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you can oh, you look at a director's movie and you can like Wes Anderson. He has got a style of how he does right, films. Right. He makes very different movies. Like Life Aquatic is so much different than um, I don't know what's the ele- the most recent one, the elevator uh, one, Grand Budapest. Grand Hotel. Budapest. Like they're two totally yeah. different movies, but they've got a similar style. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say yeah. you know this director, he's you can. You get in a sense of his style, and I think it definitely aids his movies, but in different ways because they're different films. Yeah, yeah, and I think I don't know. It, it's strange because they do have a different. They do have a very similar look, and I mean, mm-hmm. the way Only God Forgives was like uh, advertised was like Only God Forgives from the creator of Drive. So immediately you're going to be like, oh, I saw Drive. Maybe it's going to be like that. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's try, totally. Try different. not to put that in your mind. Um, but I would still recommend Only God Forgives just based off that it is a great film. That being said, if you like Drive, you might not necessarily love Only God Forgives. 
mm-hmm. because it's a very uh, it's a little bit longer. It's very there's a lot of uh, so much more symbolism. Honestly, if I were you, watch Only God Forgives and then watch like a ten or fifteen minute YouTube video on like <laughs> deconstructing Only God Forgives, then you'll probably like it. Or watch <laughs> Only God Forgives like seven times. Yeah, make that your life because. <laughs> Because realistically, there's so much there's information much in it. There's tons. Of um, but yeah, just on. just quickly ending on the visuals there. I think we can both agree that just the style alone is so. Uh, it's just visually it's got a pleasing. Beautiful it's really aesthetic. Cool. Yeah. It. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Even the cover, like the font type, the pink, the pink uh, words drive, and the font type, and it sort has of this that, 80s look too. Yeah, it's, it's got 80s, like a like, certain. It reminds me of um, what's that movie? Um, where Eddie Murphy's like a undercover cop or something, or do you know what I'm talking oh God, about? Oh no, exactly. God, Beverly Hills Cop. No, not Beverly Hills Cop. There's another one. Eddie Murphy being an undercover cop actually has happened several times, so it's kind of yeah, hard to. It's tough, but okay, <laughs> it's well, if I just, figure out the name we'll of this movie, out, yeah. I'll tweet it. We'll tweet it. We'll actually, tweet it. Please don't. Okay, don't check out our Twitter. Please don't. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying though. It does have that it's '80s kind of like cop look to it. 80s but aesthetic, I think that's what yeah. he's trying to do, and the music too. I mean, it's a bunch of new songs, obviously, but they have such a like a spacey pop feel. They have this like, like uh, yeah, this dream pop like '80s like synth sound to it that is just so uh, it's irresistible. It's so catchy, yeah. and like there were certain parts of this movie where I was just kind of like I was shocked at it. And I was yeah, like, it's like oh, the jams are so oh, good, so good. Um, yeah. Even if you don't go out and watch this movie, you know, if you're a busy guy, you don't have time to go catch this flick. Make time for the for the soundtrack. For the soundtrack yeah, Cliff Martinez, it's so good. Cliff Martinez does a lot of the production, along with a band called College, and um, those guys are awesome. Cliff Martinez did this music for Spring Breakers, by the way, which is an instant classic. We'll talk about that <laughs> one day. Instant classic, one of these days. We'll, we'll get cover there, maybe. That. But anyways, that's kind of probably where we're gonna leave things with Drive today. Um, highly recommend this flick. Honestly, it's been one we've been wanting to do for quite some time. We kind of figured Absolutely. it'd be perfect for the cast. Um, you know, that being said, guys, uh, we did just launch our Patreon page. So go ahead and check that out if you'd like to support to the cast, if you can afford it. If you can't, no worries, of course. It's always great to guys having have you guys tuning in. Yep. Um, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your, your social media outlet is. We've got it. So And be sure to, you know, download our cast, listen to it in the car on the way to work. Whatever your game is, whatever your vice is. Yeah, you can find us on all the podcast platforms these days. Just search Second Viewing. You can subscribe from there. Check out RSS feed if you'd like. Um, yeah, we're probably going to close it up for today. We'll see you guys next time, and uh, catch you later.